John chapter 6, that's where we are today. Tonight we'll be in Luke chapter number 3 and 4. Looking forward to sharing tonight's message with you. Just for those of you who may not know, we have a service on 6 o'clock on Sunday night. It is not identical to this service. And they'll go, oh, that's just the same service. No, it's not. There are some similarities, but the message is different. The songs are different. And it's a great service. I want to encourage you to say, in 2023, I want to elevate my faithfulness to hearing God's word. I think you'll find that to be a blessing to you. John chapter 6. We're studying about today about Jesus feeding 5,000 men in one setting with a sack lunch. It's one of the most notable miracles that Jesus did. You'll find this story in all four of the gospel records. Matthew chapter 14 and Mark and Luke and chapter 9 and then here in John chapter 6. Most of the miracles that Jesus did do not appear in all four of the gospels. This one does. How many are familiar with the story? You might be able to tell the story if you had to be told the story. You could tell it. Someone meant like that? You know, sometimes when we have familiar passages, you don't want to let familiarity rob you of curiosity. There are things that we can learn. And today I'm going to take this thing. I have preached this, I think, this passage maybe three or four times since I've been your pastor in the last 10 years. And I know you remember everything that I say, every service that we preach. And some of you might say, oh, I know this one already. You might, I don't know. There's a couple of thoughts that might be new to you. But nonetheless, as I meditated on this passage of Scripture, and I thought about this theme, reaching with eternity in view, reaching the world, I see some beautiful parallels in this story. We read the story with Brother Emil. I'm going to give it to you real quickly, kind of what happened. The Lord Jesus has now, he's in the city, or near the city of Bethsaida. He and his, he has, he's gathered his disciples. Now he has all 12 of them with him. After he got baptized, uh, he went to fasted for 40 days. He, he was tempted of Satan. We'll learn about that a little bit tonight and next week in Luke chapter 4. He went about and he picked 12 disciples, and now they're all with him. And Jesus is, is there in, in Bethsaida and on the eastern side of, of uh, the Sea of Galilee. And uh, it's, it's all also going to call the Sea of, uh, of Tiberias because Herod Antipas uh, made another city called Tiberias and named the, the sea after that. So it's two kind of two names. Same place, Sea of, of Tiberias and the Sea of Galilee. It's more like a lake of Genezareth. That's another name for that same. It's only 13 miles long and 8 miles across. Not huge, but it was very, um, very popular and everyone knew where it was. And most of the disciples came from the northern part of the Sea of Galilee. But Philip in particular was one of the disciples and he was from that area. Well, Jesus had spent the day teaching the multitudes, talking to them about the kingdom of God and giving them information. And boy, large crowds gathered. 5,000 men were there. In addition, possibly children and, and wives were there as well, but mostly men. And they listened to him all day. At the end of the day, the disciples no doubt were tired and the people were weary, and they were hungry. Maybe even Jesus himself was hungry. And uh, the, some of the disciples came to Jesus and said, let's send the multitudes away. It's getting late. I think you've preached all day, Jesus. Let's tell them go on home. It's one of my favorite. I was a school teacher for 11 years. One of my favorite verses in the Bible at the end of the school day was to send the multitudes away. <laughs> let them go home. Oh, I love that verse. You know, send them away, all of them. Get, get out, go, uh, get out. Well, the disciples equally were at the long day, and they said, you know, let's send these guys away. It's getting late. We haven't eaten. I'm hungry. They're hungry. 
But Jesus came up with another idea. His idea was, where could we buy? He went to Philip. Philip, you're from this area. Where can we find bread that we can feed everybody here? Well, Philip was flabbergasted. He instantly went to his calculator on his iPhone. I'm just joking. He didn't do that. He went to his calculator and he started thinking, man, I don't even know a merchant that could give us this much food at one time and have that in stock. But if we did, it would be two-thirds of an earning capacity of a man to get enough money to give everybody a little bit of food here. This is, this is, this is, this is illogical. It's not even possible. And while Philip was calculating how much it would cost and how it could happen, Andrew... Simon Peter's brother, you'll see that in the scripture, when Andrew didn't have his own identity, he really was like, uh, they said, oh, I'm Andrew. Oh, you're Peter's brother. How many of you have that lot in life? You, you, it's just, you're always somebody else's sibling. You don't even have your own identity. You play second fiddle, and you're so content, and thank God for that, don't you? Well, that was Philip, Phil, uh, Andrew. Andrew wasn't, he didn't write any books of the Bible, no, none of his sermons are recorded, not really a lot of things. All that Andrew was good at is bringing people to Jesus. And by the way, all of us can be good at that. And most of the people who are going to be rewarded in heaven are nameless people. You might not know their name, but God does. You don't know what they do, but God knows. That's why everything done for God is important. So, well, I can't give very much to mission. What can you give? I'm not really, I only, take, I only work in the nursery. That's fantastic. Find something to do for God. And don't get back at an armchair quarterback, just evaluate. You'll become critical, uh, frustrated, uh, lots of problems. Get, get involved. Get in it to win it. Well, Andrew was bringing people to Jesus. And while Philip was doing his calculation, Andrew was looking around saying, I wonder who has the lunch. I wonder who has the lunch. And he found, no doubt, 5,000 men there wasn't just one sack lunch on the, on the grounds that day. There were a lot of sack lunches out there. But he found one little boy. We don't know his name. We just know that he was there. We know that he was prepared. And we know that he was willing. That's all we know about him. But he saw him and said, you got a sack lunch. Would you be interested in talking to Jesus about it and giving it to him? And this little guy said, yeah. And he walked over and Jesus said, Lord, I know you're thinking about feeding everybody and we do have a little sack lunch here. It's five loaves, two little fishes. I know it's not much among so many, but I just thought I'd bring it to you. He goes, oh, that's what I was looking for. What? Yeah, bring it over. He's, he said that little boy, and he took that, that sack lunch, and the Bible tells us that, first of all, he prayed and blessed it. But before that, he told the disciples, go make the men to sit down in groups of 50 and 100. Get everybody organized so they can sit down and organize them, and then we're going to do it. Could you imagine? After a long day, Thomas probably said, I can't believe this. Are you kidding me? Peter probably said a bad word. <laughs> James and John probably battled for the first two sections in the front, you know. I'm not walking way out there. No, you're getting this section, you get this section. They probably had all kinds of opinions. But they didn't argue with Jesus. He said, tell everybody to sit down in a group and number them off. Groups of 50. Could you imagine? They're frustrated. They don't want to be there. They got a little sack lunch in front of their Savior and they're thinking, what in the world are we doing? But Jesus prayed. And then he took the lunch and he begins to break it. And he breaks it. He prayed, he blessed it, and he broke it. 
And the more he broke, the more it became. And the Bible says in four different occasions, four different people spoke about this particular thing. You know, if you find one person that says something, that's one thing. But if you find four people that say something about something exactly the same, you kind of want to believe it, don't you? How many believe this story? I do too. I believe it. I bought the whole thing. Nonetheless, he breaks it. He blesses it. He sends out everybody, and they start feeding everyone. And everyone is getting full off this little sack lunch, miraculously so. And then they come back. I'm sure sweat is beaming off their faces. They're swiping. They're going, man. Night. They're eating, probably they've enjoyed it, but they're tired. And he said, all right, Jesus, everybody in my section says they don't want any more. I said, put a fork in them, it's over. They're full. And me too. I said, we're all done, aren't we? He said, this was amazing. What happened? I can't believe it. I can't believe it. But then Jesus said, go and to all your sections and find up any extras that you find and gather up the fragments that remain that nothing be lost. So... They went out and gathered the fragments, any extras, any extras, any extras, and they brought back, instead of a little sack lunch, they brought back 12 basketfuls. And it's full now. And 12 basketfuls, and here everybody, it's a notable miracle that everyone ate, but now there's proof of 12 basketfuls, more than could ever be imagined, is there. And the people said, man, it's true that a prophet's coming to the world. That's the story we just learned. I want to take that story and just for a few moments and draw a conclusion or a parallel between that story and world evangelism. See, we live in Hammond, Indiana, or I do, and you come to church here in Hammond, Indiana. And our church is larger than some churches, but at the same time, this world's are so much larger. You can, you can walk 30 minutes down Midway Airport and see more people than you see right here today on one given one Monday morning. I do it all the time. There's a lot of people here, but there's a lot more people in this world. Only 4% of the world's population lives in America with us, and God wants us to get the gospel to the ends of the earth. It sounds illogical. There's a lot of people, 5,000 people that would be there. That's about how many people would attend our church on a given Sunday morning if you put everybody from the the, the different Sunday schools and the Spanish congregation, the Chinese, and everybody together, if you put them in here, there'd be about 5,000 to 6,000 people on a given Sunday. But there's, there's a lot of people. And if I said this morning, I'm going to get a little lunch for you, I want to feed everybody here today. Oh, you, you'd say, I, I'm, I've, I've, lost, I've, lost my, I've lost my marbles. And I, you could say that even if I didn't say that, it would be true. But you know, God has given us a job. And our responsibility is to find a way that everyone in the world gets to hear about Jesus. See, we live here, but that's only 4% of the people who breathe air on terra firma. God cares about the people that live over there. He cares about the people that live here and here and here. He wants people around the corner to hear the gospel, but he wants people around the world to hear the gospel. And God's given us a job to do. And here's what the Bible tells us. There was a large multitude of people, and the Bible says the Lord Jesus lifted up his eyes, and he felt compassion for them. He saw their need. They were like a sheep having no shepherd. They were hungry, but they had no sources to get food. And the truth of the matter is, this world is like that today. 
Our world that we live in, there's lots of people that they would love to know how to get to heaven from here. They would love to know there could be peace. I had a precious friend of mine recently, and they do not believe that Jesus is the Christ. They believe a different faith. But they confessed to me, I'm not, I'm not happy. He said, when you go to your church, would you have your church pray for me and pray for my family? We got big problems, and I don't know how to solve them, but pastor, when you get up there, will you tell them to pray for me and my family? She doesn't believe in the Bible, but, they, but they're hurting. They're empty. They need help. And, you know, there's a group of people, and Jesus saw them. I think the first thing we need to do about world evangelism, number one, see the need. Let me see this world, dear Lord, as though I were looking through your eyes. A world of men who don't want you, Lord, yet a world for which you died. Let me kneel with you in the garden, blur these eyes with tears of agony. For if once I could see this world the way you see, I just know I'd serve you more faithfully. God wants us to see this world. What this whole thing started with of what God saw. And he saw a multitude that needed something. It was inconvenient. It was illogical. But it was a definitely a need. The second thing I want you to notice is not only did God see something, he wants us to see the need, but it's, it's important that you understand that he already has a plan. If you'll look at the Bible, look, if you would, please, at verse number uh, 6. Verse 5, when Jesus then lifted up his eyes, he saw the great multitude come to him, and he said to who? Philip, when shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 6, and this he said to prove who? Him, Philip, for he himself knew what he would do. God said, I'm not asking you, Philip, to feed everybody. I already got an idea what's going to happen. I already know what I'm going to do. But he's testing us. He's allowing us to evaluate what's really important to us. Not what we can do, because that's what Philip was thinking. What could I do? I can't do this. He's all stressed out because Jesus asked one of his 12 disciples a question, and he thinks it's all on him. Do you think getting the gospel to the end of the world is on me or you? If I were God, I wouldn't choose us. You think it's on a missionary to go to Argentina or Togo or, or uh, Burkina Faso, you think it's on them? No. God already has a plan. But his plan involves human instrumentality. This is kind of weird because if I were God, I wouldn't do this. But he, I'm not him, and you thank God for that. He's not me. But the Bible tells us that he found he wanted humans to be involved in getting the gospel. He didn't need the disciples to make the men to sit down and give them food personally, one after the other. Do you think he needed the disciples to do that? If he can feed that many people out of a sack lunch, he doesn't need anyone to take it. He doesn't need a child to bring his sack lunch to him. He doesn't need you. He doesn't need me. If you don't want to get involved in getting the gospel into the earth, don't. He doesn't need you. There were more than that one boy there that had a lunch that day. And some of you have a lunch, and you're going to keep it, and you're going to spoil it. You're going to sit on it. You're going to make sure God doesn't get it. You're going to get all of it, and, and have yourself a time. But that's not the way you want to face God one day, especially if he's forgiven your sins. You want to do something with what God gave you. 
But God's way is to use you and use me. If I were God, I wouldn't do that. I would, I don't know, get a loudspeaker from heaven saying, turn or burn. <laughs> I would probably do something miraculous and make sure everybody has a dream so that they get, get the gospel. But that's not what God chose. He'll use dreams. He'll use different things to draw people's hearts. But you know how people get saved? When someone tells them how to be saved. When you, ma'am, and you, sir, open your mouth and talk to someone about Jesus. Or if you can't talk to them in that language, you will take some of your funds every week and give it so someone else can do that same thing. See the need. Realize that God has a plan and you are in his plan. You don't have to be in his plan, but you have an option. You can be involved with God in getting the world fed the gospel of Christ. Now we have a little boy here. We don't even know his name. God chose not to put his name in any of the four Gospels. He has a name, but I don't know it and you don't know it. We'll meet him one day. But this little guy went to that meeting, probably with Uncle Abraham and Esau. He went to go play with his cousins and listen to this, this, this teacher that's been very popular and everyone's coming to hear him. I'm sure he brought his lunch that day, not because he had his lunch, but someone packed it for him. Boys don't think about the future. Boys are dumb as rocks. Girls, now they are thinking about things in the future. Boys, when it's time to go, let's go, you know, they're going out there. Girls, like, you want to go? Yeah, let's get my lunch packed and we'll get this pack and I'll get this and I'll have this for my sister and we'll have the, you know, that's the girls. Guys don't think about that. They just head out and go. Say, Pastor, how do you know that? Because I'm a boy. <laughs> and I had seven boys. And they're dumb as rocks. <laughs> Nonetheless, that little boy had, I could just see his mother stop. Hey, honey, hey, you, no, no, you're gonna, I'm going to let you go. But hang on a second. We got, what I had around here? Oh, I got these five loaves and these two fishes. Here, put, this, put it in a little leather packet, probably tied it up with a little string. So now bring back the bag, okay? Don't you lose the bag. But you be careful, I want you to be back before dark, and get back here, and be careful, don't play with any bad boys. Bad boys, bad boys. Oh, I don't know why that came to me, and I'm sorry. You're subject to an ADHD pastor, okay. Okay, so nonetheless, he got that together, and he goes out, and he's going, and then that day, all the, all the, uh, the, the, the people finish, and then I'm sure when Andrew went around, he started asking, you got a lunch, you got a lunch, you got a lunch? I'm sure people said no. Here's what we know about this boy. Number one, he was there. There's a lad here. That's what the Bible says. Number two, he was prepared. He wasn't a minority. Most of the people did not have a lunch, but there were more people than, than him who had a lunch. There are other wives who packed their husband lunches and people who did that. He was there. He was prepared. Number three, he was willing. That's where the kicker is, because all of us who are here are here. Many of you, you own businesses, you run companies, you work a very faithful job, you do a good job, you make a good living. Some of you are retired, some of you are teenagers, but whoever is in this room, you're here with me. I hope you're here. Number two, you're prepared. God has let you live in a country where you have more than you need. You have more money than you need. And I say, Pastor, I'm going to talk to you in person. That's not true. Okay. All of us have been given a surplus. We didn't scramble around today to find a coat to wear or 
or shoes to put on. We got plenty of shoes. We got plenty of coats. We got plenty. You're not saying, I hope I get to eat today. No, no. I've had people come to me that weigh 300 pounds. I haven't eaten in three days. Well, keep on going, buddy, you know, because you're going <laughs> to. Look, there's all kinds of, uh, kinds of, there's all kinds of food available. Everybody has, we got more than we need. How many would say an amen to that? And in additionally, spiritually, we've had our lunch packed by Sunday school teachers, Bible institutes, discipleship lessons, youth camps, VBS. We, we've had our lunch pack. We could say this story better than Pastor could tell it. You could tell it. Because there's been people come alongside of you, not only led you to Christ, but gave you a lot of information. That's not where it's at. We're here. We're, 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 we're prepared. But here's where the kicker is. We're not willing. A lot of guys on that hillside that day, I'm sure Andrew said, hey, you got a lunch? He goes, yeah, I'm keeping my lunch to myself, buddy. Quit trying to take stuff from people. What are you, a Baptist pastor or what? I'm sure people had opinions. Like, no, no. And you know, you can do a couple things with your lunch, everything God gave you and everything God gave me. I can do a couple things. Number one, I can just eat it. I can just enjoy it for myself and I'll feed one person, me. Another thing you can do is you can just make sure no one else gets it. Keep it in your little leather packet. Keep it so make sure anybody comes alongside and tries to touch your 401k, anybody who helps tries to take a little bit extra from you, if the Lord says, hey, I think I'd like for you to do an mission field, ah, you can keep it and just watch your life spoil before your very eyes. I've watched it happen. I've watched people who are talented, gifted, and all they end up with their life is they feed one person themselves. At their funeral, all we can talk about is their sports, their hobbies, their money, how much they left, and they left it all. Other people, they just watch, they just, they're, they're nervous every time. I don't, want, I don't want God to take my kids. I hope they don't say yes to the Lord. Are you an idiot or what? Why would you not want God to touch them? This little boy comes and he gives his lunch. You know what God does to his lunch? He'll do the same thing to your lunch if you give it to him. He'll break it. He'll bless it. He'll pray over, he'll, he'll take your lunch. Whatever you give him, he's very good at taking a little and making it much. And he'll distribute it and you'll help multitudes. You can keep it and feed one. You can... Protect it and spoil it in your watch. You can do what James says in James chapter 5. Weep and howl, you rich man, for the misery that's going to come upon you. When? When the Lord comes back and you stand before God and you've got moth-eaten clothes. You've got gold that is cankered in your, in your hand. You have kept it in a bag and it's turned gold. It's, the gold and the silver's turned green under your watch because you wouldn't get it out. You want to take enough, make sure you have enough. They're going to be a witness. Can we have a witness against this brother? Yes, look at all this. Here's what he had, God. You gave him all this and look at it, it's green. You gave him all these clothes. Look at the holes in this thing. A moth is eaten through them. Because he should have taken them out. He should have taken them out and given them and helped them and used what God had given them. They knew the gospel plan. They knew how to teach a son. They knew how to drive a bus. They didn't want to do that. It'll be a witness against you. This little boy gave his lunch. Jesus blessed it. He broke it and distributed it to everybody. And they had all they could eat and more. And then he said, now gather up the fragments that remain. 
There's a dirty, sinister lie of Satan that anything you give God, it really, yeah, that's what you're, you're never going to see that again. But this opposite of that, it's whatever you give God is what he uses for eternal purposes. You don't believe that, do you? That's a hard, that's a hard one. A few years ago, hearing a guy, he was a, he was a fellow that God blessed him a lot. He was in construction. And it, they, their church was building an educational wing on the outside of the auditorium. And God laid on his heart to give substantially with the church family so they could build that educational wing so boys and girls could hear the gospel, vacation Bible school, Sunday school classes. And he and his wife sacrificed, and they gave, and it was great. But they were making good money at the time. Fast forward a few years later, he went through a financial reversal because finances go up and down. God will use finances to teach our dependence upon him. And he'll test our faith with that. And so it went down, and he was going through a bad time. And he was, his business was not near as, as, as prosperous as it was before. He was riding in his pickup truck with his friend. They drove by his church and said, look at that. That's the building you and your wife, I'll bet you wish you had that money back that you spent for that. Well, that would have been really helpful right now. And he pulled over on the side of the road, put his brakes on, and looked at him in the eye and said, no. If I hadn't given that to God, I would have lost that too. That's a memorial to the Lord. Because when I had it, I gave it. If I would have kept it, I would have lost everything else I lost. And I'm my low time. You know, the truth of the matter is, whatever we give to God, it will last for eternity. God will take your little and he'll make it much. And he'll never waste your investment. So when we get together as our business meeting in January and decide what we're going to do to get the gospel to another person, I want to cause you to think about this little boy and his lunch. See the need. Know that God has a plan. That plan involves you, single mom. It involves you, teenager. What kind of nut who is saved by the grace of God, wouldn't want to give every week to get someone else saved somewhere else. You say, Pastor, I'm not in it. Then, then I hope you just keep coming and put up with me. But I want to challenge you. You know what a pastor's job is? Is to comfort the afflicted and afflict the comfortable. If you're comfortable, I want to afflict you. I want to remind you, you have responsibility to look at the need of the world. And say, God, what role do you want me to be? What do I have that I could give to you? My life? Some of you are struggling with that. Your kids? Your offering? Your time? Your retirement? What is it God wants you to give to him? Then give it to him and know that he'll never waste your investment. And he'll take your little and make it much.